0: There is no nobility in poverty. I have been a rich man, and I have been a poor man, and I choose rich every fucking time. Welcome, everybody, to the Money Time Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Hernandez, and you guys, we finally got him inside the Money Time Podcast. I'm sure you know who this is. If you follow me, you definitely know who this is. We got the one and only... Omar Alfaro in the building let's go up, baby dude you ready stoked to have you on
1: man yeah I appreciate it man it's been a long time coming it's about time yeah it is it's yeah. uh how long have you been doing the money time podcast for since February yeah so it's well, been a minute man. when did we build because we both built our podcast
0: <laughs> the at the same, same time, exact time so yeah. when
1: was that uh yeah February
0: February so we really didn't get started to like maybe March,
1: March. Yeah. yeah it's still it's yeah. still some time though yeah yeah, it's That's cool. Awesome. Good to be here, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm yeah. stoked. And we're going to wrap. I'm stoked for the, sh- the
0: story, num- number one, right? Mm-hmm. I'm stoked uh, on what you've learned over your, your journey. Right. But for those of the people out there that don't know who you are, who, who are you?
1: I uh, appreciate that, man. So uh, check this out, guys. If you guys don't follow me, it, my name is Omar Alfaro, Invest with Omar. And I started um, in 2002. You know, as a real estate agent, uh, do you wanna go deeper, like yeah, how I started everything?
0: Yeah, well, well, uh, just like quick synopsis. So, Omar Alfaro, where you're from, what cool. do you
1: do? Um, we buy and hold, we flip. I'm a real estate agent turned broker, now a team leader. And uh, I've been in the real estate field for 21 years. Uh, and I've been able to, you know, buy a lot of properties when the market was low. And you know, at a decent time, and just be able to hold properties. We flip, we wholesale, we uh, JV partner. But my main thing is holding property for the long term because of that compounded uh, interest, that compounded wealth that you'll accumulate eventually. But uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of stumbled across it, and it uh, it's been it's been nice to see where the uh, you know where our wealth goes now. I mean, everybody talks about net worth. And um, I don't really care for it. It's just there. It's just a number. But it's cool when you can see it. You're like, oh, yeah, I got some properties that, um, that actually are worth something. So, yeah. yeah. Where are you from? Uh, actually, I'm from Apple Valley, California, which is a small little area in the high desert, Hesperia, Apple Valley, Victorville, but originally from Upland. That's where I was born. I love it. I love yeah. It. Omar
0: runs the high desert. If you guys know where the high desert's at, he runs the whole town. He's the mayor the president.
1: Yeah, right, man. I don't, I don't, <laughs> know, I don't know if kidding. I can get into that yeah. politics aspect of it. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Sure. I'm only joking. Yeah.
0: So um, how did you, you know, obviously you have this pretty large real estate, you know, I would call it conglomerate, right? That's mm-hmm. what I call our businesses, conglomerates, right? Because you really do, you do buyers, you work with sellers, yeah. you do wholesale, you do flips, mm-hmm. buy and hold, right? Yeah. Right. All, All. you know, full real estate entrepreneur. Uh but I'm sure you didn't just wake up one day and all of a sudden you have 40-something doors and you're making all this money, right? I mean, it just happened overnight. No, not at so, all, man. So let's talk about that journey. I mean, you know, where, where are you from? Are you originally from California? You mentioned you're from Upland. So yeah. h- how did you get here? Uh, you know, Were your parents born here? Let's, let's take them through the, the journey. journey of Omar.
1: All right, cool. Well, uh, I'm 44 years old, born in 79. Um, my dad opened up, my mom and dad opened up a restaurant when I was 12 years old. So, I kind of learned early on what hard work was seeing my mom and dad open up a restaurant. My dad was 50 years old when he decided to open up a restaurant, go all in on him and his family, you know, and his wife. And uh, with 50 years old, bro, wow, this is six years from me today decides to open up a restaurant,
0: dude. That is awesome.
1: 50 years old. Where
0: did did he always want to open up a restaurant? He
1: did, he's uh, that's been his passion to open up a restaurant. Uh, He was a bartender at New China in Upland. I used to go there, um, and he used to bring us Shirley Temple's. We'd see him, you know, and his whole goal was to open up a restaurant. As a matter of fact, the person that he um, talked to at his bar in Upland, in New China, uh, hooked him up with this small town in Apple Valley, and he told him, hey, there's a restaurant available if you want it. And he said, let's do it. And next thing you know... um, you know he figured it out we got an SBA loan as as a matter of fact no no we they leased the building uh shit 92 1992 he listed leased the building for 2 years then we ended up buying the 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 place that we currently have the restaurant at now wow. and it's crazy he went all in That's and crazy. you know knowing that that was pretty cool like obviously at 12 years old you don't know that so i've been in the hospitality business for a while and then i left the high desert to go uh, to Vegas. Um, Nonetheless, I was a bartender there in Vegas at the MGM Grand at 21. Uh, And then I came back um, because I liked uh, to gamble too much. So so it didn't work out very well for me. You you made
0: good money out there, yeah? I
1: I did, man. As a 21-year-old... We were making seven, eight hundred bucks a shift, which is great. But then I would double down on the blackjack table and I would, you know, walk away with 1800 to $2,200 as a 21 year old, all cash. But then some other times, um, I'd be leaving with a 12 or 13 hour shift, right? Your eight hour shift as a waiter or a bartender, and then your three hour, four hour shift um, at the blackjack table or craps, And then <laughs> next thing you know, I have nothing to show for my 14 hours of adventures. Uh, and, so I had to get out of there and at 22 years old 23 years old I decided to leave Vegas and I went back to the restaurant to help out my mom and dad at 23 and that's where literally everything changed I was sitting at the at, at our booth in um, at Las Prisas restaurant in Apple Valley if you guys don't know where it's at you guys need to go visit um bomb and food. bomb food and there was a gentleman at the bar that said hey Omar you ever thought about selling real estate I said, no, tell me about it. What's up? You you sell a house and you make some commission. And uh, that's what I ended up doing. And <clears throat> I passed the test my first try, November when I was in 2002. Wow. And that's when I got my license. And um, yeah, and then I just became a buyer's agent. Social media, guys, was not out, by yeah, the what way. What year
0: was this? 02. 02. And yeah. you were how old? I was 23. 23 at the time.
1: Yeah. 44 now, so I've been in the business for a little while. Um, I didn't know what I didn't know, obviously, at 23 years old, just like some of you guys are watching. Right. You guys don't know what you don't know like until later on. But, yeah, fast forward, um, represented more buyers. Come to find out, my database was the uh, people that I was serving, all of our um, customers. I would let them know that I'm in real estate if they know anybody that's looking to buy or sell. And this mm-hmm. is before... I had a coach before anything this is just like something i had to like just figure out right and it's a relationship business like you know it we were not here without relationships at all like our relationship how much have we fed off of each other throughout this process um and after i became a better agent um i started to understand the listing game a little bit more and um when i was 24 years old i bought my first house uh, this is a year after. And then uh, my dad told me, God rest his soul, he did tell me about, uh, mijo, you got to buy real estate. You have to buy real estate. And this is coming from a man that um, like went all in on his restaurant dream, but he owned real estate as well. We owned the two properties in front of our house on West 21st Street in San Bernardino off of Highland, which isn't the greatest area. Um, and we owned the main house and then the two houses in front. I would remember my dad walking across the street to the renters because they didn't fucking pay. And he had a baseball bat and <laughs> it, old school stuff, right? Like, hey, you, because he needed to feed his family. Yeah, you need to pay this rent. You got to pay the rent. Right. And we long, like, we ended up, we couldn't give those houses away, come to find out later on. We couldn't give those houses away. So him being in real estate for that short period of time um, and then him owning his own house, you know, he always said, mijo, buy as much real estate as you can because they're never going to make any more. That's awesome. I mean, honestly.
0: Such wise words. Wise words.
1: And uh, yeah, I bought the house. He actually forced me to buy this house down the street from the restaurant. I think he had other intentions for me to be close <laughs> to the restaurant. Oh, yeah. Literally, it was only <laughs> two minutes away. And um, I bought it and uh, for 150 k at the time. Wow. And uh, this was in, yeah, this was in 03. Yeah, 03, 04. And this is where the 80/20 loans were at. You got an 80% first, and then a uh, a 20% second. It was a weird type of program back then. Yeah, and that's the only way I could have got qualified because it was a stated income loan. Oh, I stated I horrible. made X amount of dollars as a waiter because I had no other income. Right, right. And um, yeah, after that, I mean, just it, it kind of I had that feeling of like, you know what? I got to go represent some more buyers, more sellers. I got to do this game. I didn't really know I was jumping into it, but I did. And, you know, fast forward to, let's just call it five, six years after I got my license, I just became a good buyer's agent. You know, I represented a lot of investors when the market crashed in 08. Um, And then I had an REO account, which is real estate owned, where the banks give you your properties or give the properties to you to sell because somebody else lost it. Right. And then I was selling those properties. Um, but the cool thing was though, Adrian, is that those houses, all those people that bought at forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars, I kept in touch with them and they weren't my clients. I just sold the asset. I sold the listing. Right. But nobody else was keeping in touch with them, but I was. And guess what happens when the market changed? When the market increased, they all called me back because I stayed in touch with them. To sell and the house. then I sold their homes. This is where I was selling 100 houses a year. That is awesome. And, that's awesome. You know, that's later on. Yeah. I um,
0: it's easy for, you know, especially on an interview for people to go right to what you're doing, right? It's mm-hmm. easy to do. I want to I want to come back a little bit. Okay. So, was your dad uh, was your dad uh, from the United States?
1: No, he was born in Mexico.
0: So your dad was born in Mexico, mm-hmm. comes over here, risks mm-hmm. is everything, right? And everything. The, the, this is important context because I believe that, you know, there's somewhere along the lines as you being a kid that you picked up on certain things that still stick into your 100%. head that, that, that push you, that that make you who you are, right? Yep. Were there was there anything in your childhood that you saw like, yeah, that, or or anything you can remember that stays with you? Cause you're, I mean, anytime I talk to you, you're like trying, you know, it's the next deal, the next deal, moving forward, pushing forward, right? Mm-hmm. Do you remember where that came from? Was there a day? Was there a moment where you were like, dude, that's, or I saw this or.
1: You know, I would say like my dad being the example that we had, he worked a lot, but the time that he didn't work, he spent the whole time with us, Hmm. like all day, like you got to remember nowadays, everybody has a cell phone. Everything's coming with you. Everything is like, like at our fingertips. Right. Back then it's you leave to go to a job you come back to your family and you have no other distraction except your family not saying that your family is a distraction but you are all into your family and that's what i saw growing up is that he would work two or three jobs and then come home exhausted but i never saw the part that he was exhausted because mm-hmm. he always kept it from all of us and he always played he always my mom would tell us tell me that he woke us up at one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning when he came back from the night nightclub as a bartender just to play with us because he knew he had to go again in the morning at nine or 10 or 11 to go to his construction job. <laughs> and that's what he would do. So he she'd be, awesome. be so pissed off, but he didn't care because right. he wanted to get the quality time with the time that he had. So good. And so good. hearing it from my mom and then seeing it after being a little older, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, Going up and down the hill, we were living in San Bernardino and uh driving up the hill to Apple Valley for three years.
0: Oh, you guys didn't move to career no. right away. No,
1: we did oh, not. Wow. And we we moved to Apple Valley first, right? As the family. Apple Valley, right. But we were driving back and forth down that like Cajon Pass, and then I think my dad said one day, and I remember I was in the it was in the Mazda truck that I ended up driving at 16. It was a B2000. I was in the little back seat, you know, that little extra cab. Right. And um we could not see anything through the front window because the fog was so dense. And he said, this is the last time that we're driving down the hill um, in this fog and risking the life of the family. So I think after that, he made that, de- that decision to start looking for a house up in Apple Valley. And this was in 93 or 94. So I was 12, I was 13 years, 14 years old. Yeah.
0: Wow. Your sister was, because you have a sister and a brother, right? Yep,
1: I have a sister, a brother. Um, my brother is f- 38, and my sister is 42. She's two years younger than me, and then my brother and I are six uh, six years apart. Six years apart. Yeah. And your sister had a huge... She had a traumatic event.
0: Yeah, that she overcame just in a huge way. just
1: overcame um, a pawn stroke, meaning like your freeway axis to the back of your brain. Imagine if it just got cut. Or stopped, and you have no more recollection of anything you can't move, you can't talk, you can't move your fingers, you can't open your eyes, you can't breathe. It's literally your freeway that tells your brain what to do, like right now, you guys are watching this, you guys are smelling, you guys are breathing, it stops, and that's what happened in um march 29th, holy shit yeah, it's been I want to say it's eight, eight years, yeah.
0: How did that? De- how, how do you usually? Is that something you snap out of? N- that-
1: it's uh, it, you know, it's something that even doctors don't know how she came about. Honestly, because they oh, told us, shoot, dude, they told us that she wasn't gonna walk, talk, get ready to have a change of lifestyle is what they told us.
0: So like all the organs were
1: working, but there was nothing signaling. In it. It's like a vegetable. You're alive, but you're not. Wow. You're alive inside. Wow. But you can't do anything. You're just sitting there on a bed. And the likelihood of you lasting a long time living off of a sack of dripping you know, yeah, fluids and stuff, it's not very long.
0: And she just snapped out of it.
1: You know, she could hear everything, but she couldn't move. So imagine being in a, in a jail cell and you can't move. And all of you guys have seen this or felt this when you're in a dream. And you cannot, like, scream, yell, move or anything because you feel like something just happened to you. That is what she was feeling when this stroke happened for a long time. So she remembers? Oh, yeah. She remembers. She was was telling us that when we were in Manhattan, um, when this all happened, she was telling us now that she remembered. And she remembers hearing all of us there, but she couldn't say shit. She couldn't do anything. She couldn't move. And this is where she was fighting to try to like move a pinky. This is why her little thing is called pinky moves. Because oh, she-, she moved a pinky. Yeah, she moved a pinky and then like we were all fucking excited and we it, it was a trip. Yeah, it was a trip. Wow. Dude, yeah. I
0: didn't I didn't know it was mm-hmm. wow. And now she is such a positive soul
1: and she is. She's yeah. she's I mean, she overcame everything. I always joke around with her. And if you guys read her book, you guys should. Oh, um,
0: yeah, that's right. What is her book?
1: It's called Pinky Moves, hence Pinky Moves, you know, the first thing that moved. Pick it up, guys. Um, that is so and, awesome. um, it's I'm in there, and I tell her that she just, you know, she hit a reset button. You know, like the Nintendo? Yeah. You have to hit the reset a few times before it works? That's what happened to her. And I always joke with her because, you know, it's, it's a somber type of uh, conversation because of what had happened. And then seeing my dad go through it and stuff too, his only daughter, and it, it was just a mess. And, um, yeah, so I joke around with her now that, you know, I was like, hey, Bird, you know, you, you hit reset, it's okay. Like, <laughs> And then when she doesn't remember, I'm like, fool, why are you not remembering this stuff? Come on. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, you you did, you know, hit the reset button, so you got reset. <laughs> that's fucked up. It, it's, it's not messed up. It's, <laughs> no, no, it's a joke. It's a joke, but because it's such a... I mean, what else are you gonna say? Damn, yeah. I know that sucks. She did have a stroke. Yeah, like
0: no, I mean, you're making fun. you're, yeah. you're making it fun. Yes, fun exactly. It. Making exactly. it fun. That yeah. is, wow.
1: So yeah, that's my sister, sister even more now. Yeah, my my, my sister's cool, and uh, you know she has her moments and stuff too. So when you see this podcast, I'm talking about you, Bird, for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah so. the uh, and then my brother. You know, my brother's been, you know, he's been there, you know, through a lot of stuff, and now you know he got his license because of me and. Um, you know, he was a good real estate agent. Now he's doing something else on the back end for our companies and stuff too. He's, you know, literally the operator in the back, just figuring stuff out, creating more leads and, you know, obviously he's never done it before. So we're going through that process and he's doing a phenomenal job. So that's, that's awesome, pretty cool. Dude. Yeah. That is cool. Family event, you know? Yeah. It's cool. I love it. Yeah.
0: So your, your dad opens the restaurant. You then meet, what was his name? I forget his name i meet who at the bar carl you meet carl 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 turns you on to real estate
1: do you know anything
0: out well you did from your dad right you knew a little bit about real estate right Mm -hmm. did you know a lot or no no i just
1: knew that i had to figure out a way to pay for
0: the mortgage so i got some roommates so you met carl he he pushes you get
1: into real estate
0: dad pushes you to buy your first house yep then what happens
1: the office that i was at it was called the snake pit and I'm going to tell you this because at 23 years old, it's not as popular uh, right like back then than it is now. Right now, there's 20-year-olds getting their licenses, and it's a lot more mainstream. But back then, the the likelihood of you being a realtor, you were 50 years old. Yeah. You were not 23 years old in a predominantly older type of generation real estate agent. There wasn't. Right. It didn't exist. So when I got thrown into this mix... You know, I still have some scars on my back from being put into the snake pit where you think someone's your friend and you're telling them, you have all this excitement about, I got this one deal locked up, this, that, and the other. And I probably didn't say locked up, but I probably said I got it contracted or something. And uh, I learned a lot of my uh, tenacity there in that office because they handed me a phone book that I needed a cold call. I didn't know what I was doing, so I was just calling every number that was there. Right. Um, I didn't get through a phone book, obviously, because that's a lot of numbers. But at least I at least attempted it. And then I'm like, there's got to be a better way. And then we started doing some letters and creating some stuff. And this was, yeah, this was in 03, 04, 05. Um, And then after literally getting into this or leaving this snake pit, as you call it, I was there for a couple of years just to show face because he put me through the process. Then I went to another company. And then I uh, teamed up with somebody else. And at that point, I stayed at this one company for a long time and created a, a, a good amount of, you know, deals and such like that. But yeah, it was uh it was quite the journey in the very beginning. Was it sure. called the
0: snake bit because people were snakes in there? Is that why you called it the snake? Yes. Or was it legitimately called the snake pit?
1: No, it was because they're snakes. Uh. not no, it was called Victor Valley Property Center. <laughs> and if you guys all know about it, then you guys are gonna know about it now. And if you guys it's didn't know the story, bit. it's a snake pit. Victor Valley Property Center yeah <laughs> it is funny
0: all right well well, now you know and and you're right 2003 i remember going into my dad was an agent i remember going to the offices with older people you never saw younger people. no you like never you do, saw that like you no do like do right now yeah no man yeah 19 year olds are freaking getting licenses yeah it's 18 a, year olds that's crazy well, well even when i was 19 it was still pretty rare to see a younger kid in the industry mm-hmm. and then now it's so mainstream that oh that yeah happen.
1: and yeah. B- because now that at the same time it's like we're we didn't know what we didn't know, man. Right. You know, we just got thrown in there, and I just wanted to make commission checks. That's it. Right. Sell a house. Give me four, or five thousand bucks, please. Thanks. Because as a waiter, you make four thousand dollars with tips and your wage. You know, so combined. When did you? So you said you were with
0: a, a team. Uh, that's when you 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 cranked. Is that right? Before I met you, was that 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 company you were with for quite
1: some time? Before I opened up my own, yes, that was the company I was with for. What was that? I want to say it was in 16, I bought the house, um, and that's when I started Monet. So this was 2000, literally 2009 to 2015. Oh, shit. Yeah. 2009, 2015, you were with that company until you opened your own. Yeah, until I wanted to buy it from him, and he said no, and uh, because I was 75% of the income. And at the time, you were doing REO. Yes. At the time you were
0: working with buyers, you mm-hmm. were building your list based business. Yeah. Everybody that you sold REOs to are calling you back. Yes. You're listing their properties. Mm-hmm. What was the deal count you got up to as an agent I
1: think during the, that time? During that time, I think the most I've sold I sold in that period of time, buyer side only, uh, was about 75 or almost 80, just buyer sides. You did 80 buyer sides yeah, by did. yourself? Yeah. Holy shit. Did you have a, an assistant? I had no assistant. <laughs> Do
0: you have a DC?
1: Uh, I had one TC, yeah, okay. All yeah. right all right. And that's because I forced um, the person, or the broker at the time uh, that I need some help, because yeah. I don't want to get bogged down. And yeah. And back then, guys, just so you to put context on this, these are houses that were 60, 70,000 dollars, 100k and under, that were sometimes l- sitting on the market for months before someone bought them. Wow. So what I ended up doing, I was like, you know what? I'm going to streamline this process. I'd get a bunch of buyers, and I'd literally give them all the codes. Go see the house yourself. It's a bank-owned property. And uh, after <laughs> that, that's it. Guess what? They came back to me. They said, hey, Omar, we like it. Okay, great. I'd send, I, I would send the contract. I would fax it to them because we didn't have freaking DocuSign yet. And, um, or they would come in, and they would sign. And then as DocuSign came out, Oh, yeah, all of my clients were like, Omar, just make the offer. Done, 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 done. And I wouldn't even, I'd would make the offer and say, hey, I got this deal for you. Um, go look at it. You like it? Cool, you're closing on it.
0: That's so literally really, how
1: I was doing it. You weren't really showing. I was not. Dude, that's badass. I was Talk not. Talking about delegation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. delegation. <laughs> and nowadays, box. everybody's like, oh, my God, you didn't show the house? Yeah, oh, shit. Get yeah. out of here. Yeah, yeah. 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 but yeah. back then, this is, how it, this is how it worked. And guess what? And they would always ask. Like Omar, you got all these buyers. Yeah, I know we got all these deals going on, and I'd make the call. Hey, I want to, and I want to make sure that you guys know that we have the buyers. So I would get the agents calling me. Hey, you got a buyer? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And literally, I would make the offer for them, and then call them and tell them, Hey, listen, John, I got you the deal, dude. That is awesome. Close on yeah. it. So this was how many years was that? How many years? This did you was run? literally 2009, oh, right 10, after. 11. 12? Oh, shit. Yeah, I think those first four years of crazy amount of inventory, um, and if anybody's out there that's, that, that went through that crash, you know that you couldn't give a house away. Right. We were talking about, like, no, $70 a, a square foot's too damn expensive because I was used to buying them at $30 and, and selling them at $35, $40 a square foot. Stupid. That Absolutely is, insane. That
0: is crazy. What, were, you, were you in the market? You were in the market when the market crashed. Did that affect
1: you? No, much? it did not affect oh. me because I didn't do that many deals. Oh, okay. So you're still I, a newer agent. Right? Think about it. I was not really that new. Yeah. 02. Oh yeah. Yeah. So oh six, you know, another four years. Uh, Savannah was born um in oh in 06, November 29th of uh, uh, of oh six. So I was only four years in the business. And um, and then I'm like, you know, okay, this is what I gotta, this is what triggered it, right? For me to get really good at this business. And then in 07, I'm like, okay, let me figure this out. And guess what happened? In 07, everything peaked. I sold a lot of property, not 70 or 80. Right. I think I sold maybe 10 or 12 properties that year. But all those people that I sold bought super high and they lost the houses. And then they came back to me and we ended up short selling them in 2009, um, which is crazy too. Wow. Because I kept in touch with them all. Right. Yeah. And
0: that's when that kicked off. And you were buying houses at this time?
1: I was uh I started establishing this whole flow. Uh I mentioned his name earlier, John. Um, he was one of my like investor clients. And he would be buying these houses, I would lock them up for him, uh, and then he'd put lipstick on a pig, just really paint carpet, do the minimal work. And he was selling these assets for, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars more. And and mind you. He's buying them at 70, selling them for like 150, 160. And it's like in a, in a depressed market because everybody didn't have the money to fix up the properties. So then you came in there, you fixed them up, and you had a plethora of buyers wanting to buy. Wow. And it was interesting because he did that a few times. And I'm looking at the HUDs uh, when they were called HUDs, not closing statements. Yeah. Um, and he was making 50, 60,000 bucks. Per house. You know, 30,000, 40,000. I'm over here, my little check of four grand, you know, 4,500, because I was a 50% split with a broker. Okay. So, anybody that's out there listening and you're complaining about your fucking split being 50 50, (laughs) like literally take that, like take that client of the 50% and earn the business because the repeat business will come to you, not to the broker. Again, the repeat business will come to you, not to the broker. But complain so about good. your fifty fucking percent. It's fine. So good, dude. So
0: good. You know, you know what's funny? Every single real top producer that I talked to that I've been in the game for a while started at a low percentage. Of course, because they know what it's fucking like. Yeah. And then you have the people that come into the game at ninety percent, at a hundred percent, with the five hundred dollar file fee, and tell me mm-hmm. how many deals they do: two, three, four, five, ten. If they even last they five don't years,
1: last. no, Mm-mm. they don't. And honestly, like everyone was always wondering, like, why are you there? You should go somewhere else. I'm like, listen, there's a system here. I got fed a bunch of leads and all I got to do is call and develop the relationship with that client. So then the repeat business comes to me later. This is why I've sold 100 properties or 100 transactions a year, sides, whatever you want to call it, pretty consistently. And that broker did not. So good, dude. So, So I mean, think about it for a little bit. So, yeah, that's I mean, that's kind of what uh what happened in that whole process of of uh of becoming a good buyers agent in 09, 10, 11, 12. When John told showed me some more like y- he gave me a, a book to Purpose Driven Life um, oh, yeah. which I'm I remember listening to it right now. Yeah. That's, that's a great. And I read that book and then oh. now I'm like uh, uh, on Audible. There's no but coincidences. No, there is not. Um and that's something that there isn't a coincidence there because He gave me that book and then it opened up my eyes to be like, well, if you're doing this flipping business, I know for a fact I can do better. And not because I'm talking crap or anything. It's just because, you know, I I evolved and I learned and I saw what he was doing. And then next thing you know, he never got another phone call from me.
0: That's when you started
1: doing it yourself. And I started buying the houses, not him. Wow. Yeah. And I didn't know how, but I do remember the first two properties I bought. One was 60000 um and another one was forty, and I still have them both. Um, they still count, you still but- own them? Oh, yeah, bro. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. when
0: did you start this run? When did you start the run of buying houses? 2009. So 2009, you mm-hmm. see what John's doing. You go, all right, mm-hmm. love you. Time for me to do my own thing.
1: Right. You then dive in. You start doing your own thing. Yep. What's the run So like? That run of 2009, I I I couldn't buy so many houses, right? right? Even though they were cheap. So some of these properties that the banks were giving me, I was like, why don't I just buy it if no one's buying it? So that's literally one of my first investments was the forty thousand dollar house on Viento, uh, and I remember the street names because you know that's like something you remember. And you still have them, yeah. Yeah, um, and bought it for forty thousand dollars, and I borrowed that money from one of my customers at the um, at the restaurant who would always pay with an American Express card, who would always ask questions about, which I know he owned a bunch of doors, and he owned storage units. So I would always ask him. His name is Mike. He's like one of my mentors. And I think you may have met him before. Yeah. Um, and he still owns the, uh, the storage units today. He, he, he's the one that told me, listen, if you find a way to buy real estate and you find some people that can lend you money, do it because that, that investment is going to be worth way more than what you borrowed. So I asked him, "All right, let me borrow money," and he ended up giving me thirty thousand dollars. I had fifteen or so saved, and I bought that first deal. That I ended up cash not I did not cash flow on that on that asset because rents were only seven eight hundred dollars at the time. Wow, you know, and then started buying the properties at the um, at the listing appointments because I'm like, where else am I going to be in front of more sellers? Right. So all these sellers. This is this is later on though okay in the very beginning 2009 and 10 you couldn't borrow money okay so i had to get hard money loans for 3 points at 12% interest <laughs> and i bought about 4 or 5 of them and i didn't care that the rents were not covered by these assets because i was working at the restaurant and i can eat beans and fucking rice and I'd be okay. So you were taking the losses. I was taking a 200 hundred dollar losses on every house. Yeah. How
0: were you paying John? Was that was that? Or um, I'm sorry, not John. Mike. Um,
1: Mike. How were you paying Mike? Were those uh, payments? Or was he payments. Was he, he was doing hard money. Yeah. And so you were negative on these houses. Oh yeah, and I was negative. Shit. Negative on payments, but eventually, I mean, think about it. Yeah. 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 yeah Thirty, yeah, forty dollars yeah. a square foot. You can never, ever do that again in a lifetime. Right. If we ever hit that now in our in in our um, you know era right now. There's something really wrong, and we just got bombed, and there's yeah. no houses left. Yeah,
0: there's a major, major, major fucking issue. Oh, I, I yeah. think so.
1: More so than we'd even want to even think about.
0: Wow. Yeah. Dude, so, you, so you're getting all these hard money loans. You're uh-huh. working at the restaurant to pay for these loans. Yeah. And at the same time, you're still selling real estate. Yes, I never stopped that. Never stopped selling real estate. No, no. And, you, and that's when Monet Investments was founded?
1: That was in—so I started flipping in my name— and then I started seeing this like withholding tax, them taking money from me. So that's when I decided to open up an LLC. And um, that was the flipping aspect of it, the LLC for that. But you know, in 13, 14, 15, we we're still buying properties um, and still acquiring more because I started understanding, like, hey, I wanna be in front of more sellers. So I started saying, hey, your home sold or we'll buy it because I was buying properties. At the listing appointments like you and i are talking right now as a seller and i'm selling you on why you need to pick me to list your property on the market you're in you're you're literally wanting to sell your place so i just said hey why don't i just buy it no commissions love that and then the seller's like yeah okay cool let's do it and then i started buying properties at the listing appointments
0: and this was so you're building your you're building your real estate business you're buying houses I just want to put put the pieces of the story together for those people that don't know you're buying houses 2000 yeah. and, uh, Nine. 2009 10 11 12 you're also building this large real estate team because when I met you oh you, I didn't you know really really didn't know you for the investment deals we knew uh, you for your real deals. estate team that yeah. you had right mm-hmm.
1: that was that was always priority over the other side you know honestly honestly adrian i did not have a plan i didn't Hmm. i just bought the properties because i knew that most millionaires are always made by 90 percent of millionaires are made by real estate right end of story right and then billionaires are made by freaking acquiring businesses yeah acquisitions acquisitions and mergers yes exactly so me in that time i didn't know this stuff i just knew that i want to buy houses because I want to know like if you compound my dad would tell me over time the people at the house the renters are going to pay all your mortgages for you and if that lasts 20 years cool you have 20 paid off houses at the end of 20 years um it's like kind of a no brainer <laughs> when somebody else pays for your mortgage right you know so yeah. at that point I still wanted to make sure that I I did the best I could for um you know for clients and buyers and sellers and still earned income replay my earned income made me more like it made the ability for me to go buy more houses. Yeah. Okay. Right. Along with the flipping income, because now instead of me making 6,000, 7,000, $10,000 checks, we're making twenty, thirty $30,000 profits. So Mike, who one of that mentor I told you about, he ended up telling me if he said that, uh, Commission checks pay the bills, but profits will make you wealthy, Strong. providing you use that profit to buy assets, because you can piss away that money, too, Yeah, just like stuff. most agents piss away their commissions, and they drive a 7 Series, or they drive some cool stuff with no assets. That's and a good way to do it. Live in an apartment
0: with a Rolex watch and who uh, about.
1: Yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah. For right. sure. Yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> I'm sure there's a I'm, – I'm, I'm talking to you guys right now. Yes, I am. Yeah. Okay, so, so this is big because
0: you had no plan for the investments. You just knew you needed to buy property, but you did have a plan for your real estate group. Yeah. So for let's talk about your real estate group and how did that evolve because that's when we met. Mm-hmm. And then you were – I mean, you were crushing it at the time with how many transactions you were, you were
1: doing to – Take us down the agent path. That was, uh, you know what? Like once you start, like if you're going to be in a business, like try to figure out the best way to convey your message and to do deals, right? Right. And as an agent, you know, and I was a little older, you know, at that time, I was, and this was in 14, 15, 16, 16, um, excuse me, I was already, in 16, I started a new company called uh, Monet Realty Group. And that's when I started it out of my office in the new house that I bought at the home office, and that's kind of when I met you at, at Intero right? long time ago, 16, and literally it was myself, my brother, um, and then two other agents, and I just literally established a team. We would role play, we would train, we would understand scripts and dialogues, I didn't know who Mike Ferry was at the time, at all. I had no coach, Right. there was no, it was me writing stuff down on how things would go in a conversation. If I wanted to find out like, okay, are you calling for yourself or for somebody else? Because most people call for their Tia and Theo all the time. Like, yeah. oh hey, I, I'm calling about this property and this, that, and the other. So that was a question I wanted to add. And then it was like, are you calling for yourself or somebody else? Do you want to be in that area? Um, do you currently rent or do you own? Oh my gosh, that's a fucking question. Do you rent or do you own? And as a real estate agent, you gotta ask that question because you're gonna go show somebody a house that they need to go sell their house first before they buy, mm-hmm. so you're wasting your time, or you're going to go show a house without them being qualified. It's like, come on, it's really simple. So then I wrote it all down, and that's the literally the... Script that I gave them in 2016. That is hilarious. So you did. You were doing close to 100 deals a year with
0: no no real coaching, training. You weren't calling expired. You weren't really calling for sale by owners. This was all based off of the relationships, your past clients, your center of influence,
1: your database.
0: That's it. That's huge, dude. That's huge.
1: And that database that I was getting 50 percent dollars on. That ends up paying me ten times over again. So, so big. Remember that fifty percent. Don't complain. What's your advice on building that database?
0: If you had like one key advice for agents when it comes to that database, because that that was huge,
1: dude. A hundred deals uh-huh. off of a database that is strong. That's it, you know what. There are some people out there that are doing that. I'm sure yeah, now. Yeah, it's rare. Uh, rare, but there there are. But I the advice I would give you guys if you guys are starting this real estate game, if you're going to be the agent going into this. This avenue, um, every buyer and seller, you have to have that customer satisfaction. You have to provide the solutions for those people because they're going to give you five star reviews. And the five star reviews can be leveraged nowadays. I didn't have five star reviews back then, but the minute I had the ability to access a portal to put five star reviews on, I did. And then I asked for all of my past clients to give me a five star review. And guess what? Lo and behold, my whole area we have the most five-star reviews, hands down, over companies, and that's just me. And how much money do you spend advertising to your
0: advertising to your database
1: um, at that ev- time? At that time, it was just phone calls. So you were just calling them. I was calling them to see how they're doing. Doing a hundred deals a year. guys, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, there's something big here. Yeah. Right. There's something big here for for a- all real estate agents, right? And for all, yeah, for everybody. No, exactly. Because how many of them had they done that would have Two hundred fifty three hundred fifty thousand dollars every year consistently uh-huh. without them having to worry about and and everything they did extra was extra go on vacation mm-hmm. buy more investments
1: but you know how they they say that you know it's simple to do yeah. right it really is but it's also simple not to do it yep because it's extra work yeah. but I'm thinking it's like everybody wants the instant gratification for sure and back then and I think this is what helped me. Adrian, no bullshit. Like we didn't live in a great area where um I wanted to be like keep up with the Joneses, okay? Sure. Yeah. I didn't. It was the high desert. We talked about this before. No, this is big. Like yeah. I had a Cadillac Escalade that I did ATM my first house on and been, and I was stupid and I gambled in 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 Vegas even after I bought my house at 24 years old. But after that I settled down and I'm like, "Okay, this is I'm going to keep this Escalade until it freaking, you know, blows up." And no bullshit. One transmission, two hundred and thirty-eight thousand miles on that Escalade, all-wheel drive, one tranny, um, oh. and that's and it and it, it took a run. Oh, man. you drove it till it broke down? No, I drove it. and I still sold it for sixty-five hundred dollars. <laughs> I sold it for sixty-five hundred bucks. It's <laughs> fucking funny. And and what's what's cool about it is that because I focused on that and not having you know increased liabilities, right? I was able to afford the negative cash flow of all these houses so good at the time and like and then it sets you up over time but you don't know it when you're in it right but i wasn't going out i was like you know i just had my my baby girl in in 06 and that was a whole different ball game and that was just like all right i'm in it like blinders on i don't care this is the thing how obsessed are you about getting successful Hmm. because everybody talks about being successful but are you truly obsessed about it? And is it going to cause problems? Fuck yes, it will cause problems. Oh, yeah. Is it going to cause you to lose relationships? Absolutely. Yep. Is it going to cause people to talk shit because you've changed, Omar? Well, yes. Definitely. Yes, I've changed. I'm sorry that you haven't, but <laughs> this is something that does happen. Maybe you should catch on. Maybe like, you should catch yeah, on. <laughs> jump on the train, man. I mean, seriously, all of us are, are faced with this. Yeah, you too. Does, I mean, it's the truth. And, and and because i didn't go out and try to be like somebody else i think that's probably what helped me just obtain more doors yeah and and i talked to you about it I was like fuck man I, you know i bought my first brand new car because i was fucking around in terror cuz oh you know what level up your shit level it up you know uh what well, what well, <laughs> you, you know where i'm going with this it. <laughs> it, it it's funny because in 16, I still had my, my Lexus that was paid for, which I still drive today.
0: Oh, my God. And,
1: and, the, um, and then, oh, well, come on. It's right in the tip of my tongue.
0: You weren't buying $2,000 suits,
1: bro? No, no. Like, eventually, yes, I did. But, but we're, we're getting to that shit. Okay? I wasn't around the environment to have the suits and the nice clothes and the car. Right. Upgrade everything. That's what it was. Everything. Who says that? Uh, Mike, Ferry, Mike says, Ferry says that. Upgrade everything. And after I heard that, and then everybody else saying, yeah, upgrade this. Yeah, you deserve it. Let me go buy a fucking Porsche. Why well, I didn't need to. I did it, and guess what? I got more likes on that Porsche than I do on my fucking units. Oh, it's yeah. crazy.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Because
1: it's a car, right? Yeah. So that whole process of me delaying gratification for so long ended up helping me along the way and... It, it's paid you know it's paid itself off so. so let's talk about that so you were how old when you bought that porsche this was in 17 bro so, so this is just no you turn 40 that year? no this is in 2017 so that was six years ago i was 38
0: that was six years ago
1: mm-hmm. no that was not six years ago when you took the picture in front of the office with the porsche there's that wasn't there's no no, way no yes that was six yes it was ago. bro
0: Holy shit.
1: Because I, I, I just bought my um I had just bought my house in sixteen. And that year, that sixteen, I, I ended up buying it. As a matter of fact, it was December of sixteen. Or it may have been December. No, no, it was December of seventeen. Yes, because I bought it for taxes. Uh, just because it was a cool thing to do and yeah, I didn't want to pay taxes. And at the time you owned uh how many doors? At that time I owned like twenty doors or something like that.
0: That is awesome, dude. Yeah.
1: And it was some fourplexes, duplexes, and stuff like that. Yeah.
0: I, I do want to talk about this, though. The environment plays a big role, right? Huge you, role. You, you didn't have a bunch of, you know, for instance, like out here, you didn't have a bunch of Rolls Royces or Ferraris no. around you, right? No, I so did. So there not. was no. So as much as people, you know, talk about certain environments, or they may talk about the high desert, right? Mm-hmm. That high desert actually really benefited you in a massive way. Because i just question, do you think you would have been as cautious with your money? Do you think you would have maybe done things a little differently had you been around an environment where that's all there was? You know, For instance, take an Orange County environment, take a Costa Mesa environment for an example.
1: Okay. Um, I wouldn't know, man, because two things. It could have probably hurt you because you wanted to keep up with everybody else, or it could have benefited you. To get in the better rooms Mm. because those people that drive sometimes those cars have something to share with you like they have some knowledge that you don't know because you're not driving a rolls you're not driving a ferrari right i always make the joke that it's like yeah well i got a ferrari there a lambo there a rolls royce there and these are the houses i'm talking about but i don't uh you know i i think that everybody goes down a path and i think that path was for me to stay grounded in that specific area and uh it's benefited me because i don't i mean i think that again if you're in a different market right 20 years ago if i was a real estate agent in orange county and that was my primary focus and i had relationships i built in orange county my trajectory of course would be different because the cost of houses are a lot higher and the cost of living is higher so then you You know, I guess in your environment is going to be the biggest key. But to me, it's like, hey, I own a bunch of doors. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. It's good, and and it's as stressful as fuck. Yes. Anybody that tells you it's not, they're fucking lying to you.
0: Hundred percent. Well, and I just want to shine light on it because there's a lot of people that you know are maybe in an area where like they're in the high desert, right? And in their mind, they think that they need to go somewhere else, or they think you know they're just starting off, or they're in high school, right? Mm -hmm. And I encourage that to a point, but I also think that some of those environments really. That that's what people need. That's what some that that's what they that's do. That's what a lot of people need, actually. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because the environment's everywhere on this thing now. Everywhere. Right? Yeah. So that, that's the issue. But um. All right. Yeah. So let's go. Let's you create Monet Investments. We're yeah. at Intero. That's when we meet, and that's when I saw your investment journey
1: really take off.
0: Hundred percent. So let's go down that road. Sixteen.
1: Yeah. So in sixteen, I created Monet Realty Group, which is a small company, uh, and then I met up with. Uh, you know, with Danny and stuff like that with Intero. um, and then I wasn't never coached, and I was like, "This is cool. Let's go down this road," and jumped on, created a team, started doing really well in um, just representing buyers and sellers. Had a team established, and literally started picking, just cherry picking all of these listings as purchases, and you saw that firsthand. Right, I picked up this property, picked up that property, picked up this one. And we were starting to flip a lot more. I think that in 16, 17, 18, 19, you know, we were doing 20, 25, 30 flips a year, 40 flips a year. Um, and then I was able to add more doors because I was buying them cheap. And I think it all happened perfectly um, you know, in that journey because as we increased in 17 and 18, it was still a, like a plateaued market. Right. It, it was wasn't like a, yeah, it didn't go through the moon yet. Right. Um, you know, and then here comes, you know, 2020 where everything shut down. And then next thing, you know, everything shot up. And at that point in time, we, we were like set for it. And then that's when we were, you know, buying the properties at three, 4% interest rates, burring them out, getting all of our cash out and, um, you know, and owning free assets in essence by leveraged money. Right. Yeah. And break that down
0: for some people. I mean, some people understand that, but the others don't. So the, break that down.
1: If you so, don't yeah, no, not at all. So when we buy the assets, you know, let's just say, for example, I'm going to be buying a property for, um, let's call it $300,000, and it's worth four hundred. dollars okay? And then what we're going to end up doing is fixing, fixing up the property. Uh, we're going to put a tenant inside the the asset and then that rent's going to cover your payment, right? But then the cool part is is that it still was covering even on your on your bridge loan, which is your hard money loan at the time, but if you refinanced at a 3%, 3.5% interest rate, your payment's very minimal. And the appreciation was there, which is the ARV, right? You fixed up the property, it's worth more now, and they're going to lend you 75% of, you know, of the value of whatever the property is. So a few of the properties I did this to, I pulled out all of my money, invested, purchase, plus the rehab, and a little bit extra. And that little bit extra was 20 k 25 k So it paid me to refinance these properties, and still I was able to be um, positive, meaning that the tenant was paying X, let's just call it $2,500, and my payment on this thing with no money invested and money pulled out. Was two grand. So I was still positive cash flow $500 a month for a free
0: house. Getting all your cash back. Yeah. That is strong, dude. And how many of those did you do? About seven. Seven.
1: Yeah. I love it. And you were seven also
0: days. picking up Airbnbs at the time. You have a pretty yeah. diverse portfolio. So mm-hmm. how, how does that, how does, how does, how does your portfolio lay out?
1: So right now we are at 62 doors. Let's go. Um, And that consists of, Single-family residences, uh, duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes, um, some short-term rentals, um, which I went out to Arizona, you did too, um, to go buy some uh, short-term rentals because it was a thing to do in 2020. Um, And I owned an asset out there that I didn't even Airbnb for two years. And I finally decided to do so. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. This was... November no this is October of 2019 so I only had like literally that last quarter of 2019 to really see what it was doing and I'm like wow this is this is really good income then I then we bought the other ones in February March April um out there and we cash flowed well for the airbnb but guess what happened after uh after all that it uh, ended up uh like l- the amount of people that went out that caught on because what happened in 2020 Everybody wanted to get the hell out of California. Right. And because of that, everybody wanted to go out. And they needed houses to be at. And guess what? That's what ends up happening. And uh, there was a lot, a lot of, um, you know, availabilities. And I ended up switching all of my Airbnbs to long-term. Long-term. And you have Big Bear's. Are you Big Bear's long-term? Big Bear as well. I might actually sell.
0: Might sell Big Bear.
1: Yeah, because yeah. it's horrible. Anybody that says that you guys can make a bunch of money in Big Bear, For Airbnbs, they're fucking lying to you. Well, that's because everyone went and bought a whole bunch of properties in Airbnb. That's just crazy, man. Or in Big Bear. I mean, think about how many people we know
0: own Airbnbs and And they're not doing
1: it. No. And they don't have the extra cash flow to sustain Which
0: is interesting. I'm just waiting. Which we're going to talk about in a quick second. Yeah. Uh, Did you see Havasu was down 50.7%?
1: Yeah, that's a good thing. I don't have no Airbnbs there no more. Yeah.
0: Mine's actually cranking right now. Yeah? That's only going to be for two. That's because it's July. It's June. True. Okay. I think it's booked every weekend in July. Let's go. But, Let's go. And that's it. You know it's going to stop after that.
1: Yeah. And that's so, where you have to make that decision. It's either personal or put a uh, snowbird or. And I would just, yeah, snowbird yeah. it or personal, buy another asset to pay for that one so you have a nice place to go to. Yeah. For so sure. that's what we ended up doing. Yeah. So do you, if you didn't have your real estate business, do you think you would have been able to buy all these houses? No.
0: So, so, so talk about that because I know so many like investors where they come in and they're like, well, I got to go, I got to buy, I got to buy all these doors. I got to go, you know, um, all the coaches are saying buying rentals, buy rentals, buy rentals, but they don't make any money.
1: No. So or they don't have out. a
0: business or they're doing like four or five deals a year or they're doing two or three wholesale deals a year. Speak
1: to that. Yeah, that's, uh, if you do not have the, if you don't have the capacity and the the earned income, I'm talking to all your real estate agents, wholesalers, even some of you flippers that don't ever keep fucking houses. (laughs) Um, Like you have to have something like you got to increase that earned income. I never stopped the, 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 the gas pedal on my regular residential real estate because guess what that did? That afforded me the down payments on all these assets that end up making money later. But a lot of these people that we know are literally like they're dying. And and I was one of them. I'm not going to lie because this is, we're transparent here. There's a reason why I switched them all from the Airbnb to long-term in that market. But I also never stopped trying to represent buyers and sellers and have a team in place to increase that. Because that there has afforded me the ability to go buy more assets. So if you guys are out there like, oh, you need doors, you need doors, you need doors. How about you need a system? How about... You need, and I don't have it figured out, by the way, okay? i tell you that right now. None of us do. We no, always evolve, no right? Does. But if you think that a door is going to make you rich, it's not. Three, $400 in positive cash flow does not change your life. But if you sold the property for 100 k in profit, okay, that what it does to you, That's that gives you options to go buy some people. Did I say that right? I said buy some people to go help you. <laughs> Um, right. You know, expand your, your ability to go make more money. Yeah, But that one door, two doors, it's not about having the doors. It's about increasing your in- earned income and staying there and then using that money to go buy the doors, providing you can sustain that downturn. So good. Because I got seven vacancies right now. Multiply that by $2,400 a month. You guys do the math. Okay? <laughs> That's what I'm not making. When they're vacant, but guess what? The nut is still there. You still have to make the payment, and if you don't have that extra, <laughs> literally that extra sixteen thousand dollars, seventeen thousand dollars a month, where's that coming from? Oh, that's right. You got to go represent some buyers and sellers to offset that. Oh, but you don't want to because you're too cool for school. Then yeah, you then have ha- a problem. Yeah, I'll buy the house when you're ready. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is so good. <laughs> it's so good because we see it over there and we, over all so, the time. So, should they be focused then on building their business and building their real estate business, and then once they have enough money, then they can start to?
1: Or do you recommend they just go straight into buying doors? No, get your business right for sure. Get your business right. Have that um, that constant flow of evaluations of representing buyers. That database that we were talking about. I would not be able to do any of this if it wasn't for the database, if it wasn't for, you know, John, who taught me, who literally didn't teach me. But I picked up on how to flip property and use that profits to fund the rest, not go buy fucking watches and um, and cars. And by the way, I just bought this after 40 doors. So I don't know. I know a lot of people that have Rolexes that don't have 40 doors. Like fifty doors. Like, there's a lot of people out there. So most yeah. of them, yeah. Well, I don't have and forty doors. So I have a- no, but you have yeah, doors, bro, right. and you got a business. <laughs> no, no, no. What I'm saying, I a legitimate fucking, fucking business. Yeah. Like you do. I mean, if anything, I'm always asking you how to do this, how to do that, and I'm still learning. Don't, so. don't be that guy or gal. Yeah, what, what
0: we yeah. really yeah. Don't to be, to be say. that guy. Don't
1: don't yeah. yeah. I, I started to go down that
0: path. I was thankful I had good friends around me, like you and Eddie. I was fucking, was fucking telling. What are you doing? Fucking shit out of me the moment I started to go down that path. Uh huh. Right, so it's all good. Live yeah. and learn. Live yeah. and learn for yeah. everybody. Everybody has their own path,
1: right, man? Yeah. So,
0: so you've built this great real estate, you know, book of business. You, you're now growing your net worth. You're buying doors. What's next for Omar? Businesses. Cool.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's where it's at. I mean, obviously, the bread and butter is still going to be flipping property. Uh, the the bread and butter is still going to be the team representing buyers and sellers, um, and then obviously implementing the wholesale side of the business because. As a flipper, it's so intensive in capital that if there is a change, which I felt substantially in this 22, you know, increase of interest rate, um, there's been a lot of hurt there, man. I mean, a lot. a lot, and it's coming from someone that has money to offset some of those valleys. It still hurts, and it's like, okay, what cannot hurt? Guess what? Wholesaling property Wholesaling contracts don't require too much up front, but it takes a while to get the systems going, Mm -hmm. which you and I have talked about this, like, at exhaustion. and But the cost of entry is like, all right, cool, you got a piece of paper, you're going to sell it. And now it's just top line revenue. Instead of four months, you know, working, people, not showing up, contractors, fucking you over. You've been down that road. And it sucks, man, but... Selling the piece of paper is kind of simple. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of what we're focusing on in addition to, you know, starting a new business too. So,
0: so you have your growing your more wholesale, bringing more wholesale into your business. Yes. And then you mentioned business. What do you mean?
1: Um, you know, what I said earlier, you know, profits will make you wealthy, right? But buying businesses will make, will catapult your ability to, you know, sell the asset. Like we're, fl- we flip houses, we flip paper, we flip houses. So imagine if we flip businesses, you know, everybody talks about this, but it's so hard to get into it. And all it takes is just buy an existing business and, you know, implement some of the stuff you've already learned. And then you can sell it for a profit later, or it's a cash cow. Cause yep. right now, I mean, th- there's a lot of things that you could do, right. you know, and, and, and now that, uh, know that we opened up an escrow company too which is pretty cool and strong um it's it goes hand in hand with the business that we're already doing right so you're a real estate agent you have to go through an escrow you're a real estate investor you have to go through an escrow you're a property manager well guess what you might have to go through an escrow if you decide to sell the property like it's the it's the perfect third party for sure yeah it's perfect it's it's perfect vertical like you said yeah. Change. I'm not reinventing anything. Right. I'm just getting in front of it in something I'm already doing. Right. You know? So it's funny you bring
0: up businesses um we didn't even have this conversation. Uh and on wealth Wealth Mastery? Yeah, Wealth Mastery Tony Robbins. Yeah. Keith Cunningham. I don't have I didn't record it. I can't record it. I can't record it. I didn't record anything. Uh, (laughs) is Keith Cunningham's um, segment on buying businesses. So it happened to be the only segment that I watched because I was not in it. And so long story short, I had to rebuy it. But the only segment I watched was him talking about businesses. Right. And remember how we've been talking about the greatest transformation of wealth occurring in real estate? Same thing is happening with the businesses because baby boomers have these businesses. They're They're just like the houses. The kids don't want them. Yep. they want nothing to do with the damn business in nope. fact right because no. their whole life was their dad being at that business so they don't fucking want it. i know it, the feeling right yeah. so they're selling their business they're willing to do sub they're willing to do seller finance because they don't need all the cash right away because of capital gains because of their age right right and there are so i'll send you some of the sites uh, that he gave us on where to find the businesses what to look for he like broke it all down so i have all oh, the notes for it. so it's hard, crazy that you bring man. that up and then i happen to watch keith cuttingham uh-huh. A month and a half ago, and that's all Nick and I have been looking at. Like on the background, we haven't made any offers yet, but it's just I'm just looking, right? I'm just looking because that's where it just starts. Looking.
1: Yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta look somewhere. Like we like most buyers and everything are looking on Zillow, right? Right? Colton that's- Lindsay, that's what that's what Colton Lindsay is doing now.
0: Really? Yeah, he bought a um, fuck, what is those uh, cycling play Orange Theory? Yeah, he bought an Orange Theory. Uh-huh. They've grown it like I don't know seventy three percent, something crazy, and now they're
1: exiting it. And he's going to make some fat money oh, yeah, on a business. Yeah. A couple hundred K. Another
0: thing that Keith Cunningham breaks down is the EBITDA on what to look for. So you know what it's going to sell for. Like it's, it's a it's, five,
1: six multiple.
0: It's it's all predictable, duplicatable. Oh, my gosh. He has the, yeah, I gotta, we got to find it. We got to find That's it. That's going to be cool. Because he has like the, the freaking blueprint.
1: And see, and, and we're not reinventing anything, guys. We're just following the instructions.
0: Yeah, Because someone else has done it.
1: That's it, and and literally that's where you evolve to. I'm not saying go buy businesses right now if you're in real estate. Just it's a progression. You know, you want to get there. You want to be able to like, you know, formulate something that that you can, you know, that that you can actually do and you can have. You're a real estate agent. Like I'm boots on the ground still. And this guy always calls me and says, "Hey man, what are you doing? Like you can have somebody else do that shit for you." So yeah, but I'm a junkie. I I love it. And uh, yeah, it's one of those things. I'm learning. Okay, I'm learning to. To take the time. It's okay. I think I'm getting
0: back more into things because, yeah, it's but an it, ebb and flow.
1: It, it is an and flow. Yeah, it's like, an and flow. Next week, I'm just going to be every single day doing something. Yeah. You know, because then what? You buy one property and buy two properties. You list a house. I mean, I listed three houses and I never seen the houses. I got docu signs already and it's like my assistant just sent them out. I've never walked them. I already got pictures, lock boxes. It's pretty cool. So and good. that's on the listing side.
0: So good. That's cool. All right. So what I want to do is we're going to do yeah. something a little different, Timmy. All right. We're going to break. You know how we, get, we always end with the... Um, you guys, if you ever see me look this way, if you're watching YouTube, it's because I'm staring at Timmy, right? Timmy may be sending me messages. I'm sending the messages back. That's how we communicate, like Morse code. Um, we always end with like that one question, but I'm going to do, it a different, do something different. Yeah. What is your advice for real estate agents? What's your advice for people buying and selling houses, like, you know, your investor? Okay. And then what is your advice just overall what comes to your heart. So let's start with the first one. What's okay. your advice to real estate agents, brokers, anyone in that real estate traditional field?
1: That's uh, you know a good one um, because that's right up my alley. Um, if you're a real estate agent, the number one thing that I would suggest everybody do is find the busiest freaking agent, the, mo- the one with the most five-star reviews, um, go ask them, her or him, If you can call the leads that they don't get to, because guess what? They have an abundance of leads because they have the most market share in the area and go, go be that person for free. Okay. Don't even ask for any money. Go be that person for free. Why? Because if you bring value to that person, guess what they're going to do? They're going to put you on the rotation of leads. And if they put you on the rotation of leads, even if it's 50%, Guess what? That 50% is a relationship that you can create. That 50% will be the relationship that you get to create that will end up feeding you down the way. Remember, this is a marathon, not a sprint. And if you're that agent that wants it now, um, it doesn't really happen now. Even with social media, even with all of this stuff. But my thing is, is like, if you're going to go out and be that bird dog, be the person. Be that bird dog that's going to go find some deals. But guess what? you are going to learn how to talk to people. If you don't know how to talk to people, if you don't have any scripts and dialogues, um, go on YouTube or ask your ask that broker that probably has some stuff set up. If he's doing 100 transactions or more a year, and um, and welcome to real estate because you're going to get kicked a few times, even if you get the help from him. So, so good. I mean, so I, ho- good. I hope that helps a little bit. So good. Because that's just how I did it. <laughs> For investors. Okay. As an investor, if you're a wholesaler or a flipper, um, I guarantee if you're a wholesaler or flipper, you're not keeping a bunch of property. Uh, that's for damn sure, um, because I know of them, and so do you. We talk to them every once in a while. You you do see that person that is that flipper or that wholesaler that does keep some doors, which is great. Uh, but if you're if you're the flipper, remember, I, I don't know if it's three flips and then you keep one because I think it's to me I think it's BS. It's wherever you're at. If you have $40,000, 50000 you can leave in a property, then cool. Then leave in the property and don't touch it and go create some more income, go flip some more properties. But you have to, have to learn how to buy properties and keep them. Because remember, it's not timing the market. It's time in the market. That's where it's going to compound. Amen. Amen. Yes. And
0: real fast, if somebody says, Omar, do you think it's a smart idea? I take a HELOC out of my house to go buy an investment property.
1: Do I think it's a good idea? I think it's a great idea, depending on the interest rate and how much other money do you have coming in to offset um, that payment in case the renter that you go buy this other house and you put a renter in there. And if they don't make that payment, can you, can you afford your house payment plus the equity line of credit payment plus the other loan that you get for the other house that you bought to put the renter in, if that makes sense. So good. No, it makes perfect sense. So yeah. just make sure you guys know your numbers. I
0: asked that because I've um that's been a common question lately. Uh-huh. I've noticed that coming up a lot a lot.
1: Yeah, you're going to get in debt
0: twice. All so, right. now the last one. <laughs> yeah. The one piece of advice that comes to your heart. Maybe it's not even advice. Maybe it's just something you've learned, something that just resonates here that you want to leave the audience with.
1: You know? What is your What's going to be the passion that you have to sustain the long nights, early mornings, the stress beyond belief, the crying, the emotional roller coaster that this real estate journey will take you on, and then add a relationship if you're with someone, and if you're not, add kids to it? So I didn't say replace, I said add, because... The real estate market is going to chew you up, spit you out 10 times over again, but yet you still have to show face to your family, to your kids. You got to be present. So remember this journey as to why you started all of this shit. Why we're, Why are you like making the calls? Why are you learning this? Why are you understanding the game? And if that passion exceeds your, which it will exceed your motivation, your your energy, because passion will not go away. If it's true, because I know your passion is Caden and your beautiful wife, my passion is my family, my three daughters, my lady, my mom, my dad, God rest his soul. Uh, I just want to make him proud. So at the end of the day, um, like what's in it for you? But better yet, ask the question, what can you do to impact the lives of everybody else that you truly love? That's what's going to keep you going. So good, dude.
0: So good. So good. You guys, you could heard it here first. Omar,
1: if they want to follow you, how do they get a hold of you? Guys, just follow me on IG at with Omar. Um, and yeah, we'll see you guys on there. That was so much, so much good
0: information. Go back, re-watch this, re-listen to it, especially real estate agents. I hope you guys take some damn notes. This was so I good. I hope dude. you do too. Trust this was so good. I'm glad we finally got this out of the way. We did it, man. It was but good.
1: what we do need to do is do round two, all business. Round two, all business. All business. We'll have- and, and, and we'll break some stuff down. Yeah. We'll go over cost segregation. Yeah. We'll go over all kinds of stuff not to pay taxes. So stay tuned. Yeah, so i have you back in the lab for that. Hell oh, yeah. It. Appreciate you coming down, bro. Yeah, no,
0: thank you. You guys, don't forget to follow Omar. If you haven't done so already, make sure you share the podcast with someone you know, whether that's on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. All you guys gotta do is type in Money Time and the podcast will pop up. If you're watching this on YouTube, if you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button. Share this channel with someone you know, guys. That's the best way that you can give back and pay it forward to what you're learning on the podcast. And I would love to know your, what you think of the channel. Go ahead and leave us a review. Leave us some sort of, uh, of review on what you think, what you've gotten from it, what's your favorite episode. So, again, guys, I want to thank you so much for tuning into the Money Time podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. Let's go.